This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. I plan to vote for Bill C-47, and I wonder if the minister has any comments on how we are to proceed with fairly skeletal plans for changes to the Canadian Elections Act to protect privacy information. The Honourable Minister of Natural Resources. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to my honourable colleague, uh, who is a very distinguished parliamentarian in this place. Certainly, we are very focused on ensuring that questions like the ones posed by the honourable member are answered. That is why we want to see this bill move to committee. That non-answer from Minister Jonathan Wilkinson to a straightforward question about the privacy provisions found in Bill C-47 should not come as a surprise. Bill C-47 is the Budget Implementation Act bill, and it has nothing to do with privacy. Yet the bill contains what are described as privacy provisions related to political parties, largely because the government would like to bury an effort to limit the privacy rules that are applicable to political parties in a budget bill to which few are paying attention. Colin Bennett, professor at the University of Victoria and one of Canada's leading privacy experts, is tracking the issue closely. He's been focused on Canada's inadequate privacy rules governing political parties for a decade and is now sounding the alarm on Bill C-47, noting that the provisions appear to be an effort to sideline a case in British Columbia that would apply tougher provincial privacy rules to Canada's national political parties. He joins me on the podcast to explain. Colin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure. Oh, okay, it's, gl- it's great to have you back. Uh, you were on uh, some time ago. And uh, we're here to talk about what has become, I think, a bit of a troubling annual tradition, it would seem, with the government using the, the Budget Implementation Act to insert what I think is concerning legislation, typically, I think, in the hope that it garners very little attention and uh, can't be stopped. Last year, it was copyright term extension coming out of the USMCA. This year, it's privacy and an attempt to override provincial privacy laws and their application to political parties. Now, you've been at the very forefront of this issue, privacy and political parties, for many years. Why don't we start with the basics? You know, what, if any, law applies to political parties with regard to the personal information that they collect and use? Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, Yeah, I've been involved in this for about 10 years when I wrote a report for then uh, Provide Privacy Commissioner Stoddart, who was getting complaints about political parties and couldn't do anything about it. So I did a report for for the office, which laid out the legal um, framework, um, but also some basic information about what political parties were collecting. And they collect a a whole range of information about, about individuals. Um, and they put them into these massive databases over which there's very little control. So to your question, at the federal level, the main privacy provisions are embedded or buried within the Elections Act. And there are two things to note. First of all, there are a set of controls over the way that federal political parties may use the voters list. So they may only use that information for the purposes of communicating with electors. And there are some pretty severe penalties for um, using it in any other way. So there's that. But then in 2018, um, the government introduced the Election Modernization Act, which said that political parties should have privacy policies, which should be um, 
logged with Elections Canada. And these privacy policies were a very, very basic set of privacy standards, bare minimum, lowest common denominator, and that was it. Um, and uh, so with the exception of, um, so that's essentially it. And all the other things that we, the federal privacy law at the federal level, such as the spam legislation, Castle, the telemarketing rules, political parties have basically exempted themselves from. So the rules at the federal level are minimal, yeah. nowhere near as extensive as those that apply to businesses or to government agencies. Yeah, no, that I mean, it, it's not an issue that gets enough attention, certainly the idea that yeah. uh, that it kind of almost starts and stops with having a privacy policy by telling people what it is that you're going to do uh, and not putting yourself subject to the kinds of standards that everyone else has to live yeah, by. Yeah, with no standards of necessity, no standards of relevance. Um, basically, so long as they say what they do, they're doing, um, you know, they 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 can get away with it. Um, no rights of access either, and no oversight. Um, they just uh, deliver these privacy policies to to the Elections Canada, and that's the end of the process. Okay, so uh, clearly not not anywhere near the kind of standard that they would expect others to abide by. Uh, you mentioned the study that you did for then Commissioner Stoddard a number of years mm -hmm. ago. You know what efforts have there been to extend actual privacy legislation to the political parties? What has either Stoddard or more recently some of the other privacy commissioners had to say? Yeah. Um, so, so for several years, I was a bit of a lone voice on this issue. I, you know, I wrote op-eds about it, and there was a series of academic papers. And then Cambridge Analytica hit the headlines, and things changed dramatically, of course. And there was a lot of attention. Um, the the main efforts since that time have been launched by the Center for Digital Rights, uh, which is funded by Jim Balsey, and um, he and his team, <clears throat> subs um, three or four years ago. Um, logged a number of complaints to regulators, um, to the Competitions uh, Bureau, to Elections Canada, the Commission of Elections, to the CRTC, to the Federal Privacy Commissioner, and to the BC Privacy Commissioner. Um, variety of um, legal arguments being made with the overall effect or overall attempt to uh, ensure that political parties would be, their standards would be improved and be consistent with other political parties. So that's the main thing that's gone on. In addition, there's been a lot of media interest. Um, there's been increasing uh, uh, um, annoyance by the business sector, I think, that they have to abide by all these rules in PIPA. And now, of course, in the modernized version of PIPA in C27, um, and they're saying, you know, why do we have to do this and political parties get a free ride? Um, and um, there's been civil society activism, public opinion polling has been done, which demonstrates that Canadians are overwhelmingly supportive of having political parties under our privacy laws. Um, but, you know, it's, it confronts the raw reality that, um, of power and that the major political parties um, believe that they need lots of data in order to profile the electorate and to get elected and and so you know that has been the the you know the the dominant incentive of political parties for resisting this and they've resisted it very strongly and they've resisted it in in unison the three main pl pl political parties 
Okay. And, you know, I, I want to get to some of the, the effects of some of the actions that you mentioned, but before we do yeah. that, just to emphasize, you know, the, there's a tendency to think of this issue, like so many issues in a partisan with a partisan lens, but yeah. you're, you're indicating that the liberals, the conservatives and the NDP are all basically taking the same position, which would help, I, I assume would help explain why there's been so little movement from a, from a legislative perspective federally. Yes, so far, yes. It's only the Greens that have come out in favor of having privacy law apply to political parties. Um, but they've all um, take, taken the position, um, not entirely um, the same arguments, but they've taken the position that, um, you know, they need data in order to communicate with the electorate. They're different. They're different organizations. And they have an essential role in democratic societies. And also, I think well, that, you know, the, the law, the relevant laws that regulate their activities are the elections laws and not the privacy laws. Now, I think all of those arguments, uh, um, you know, can be challenged, but that seems to be where they, they're coming from. And they all tend to take that 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 same position, um, including the NDP, which I find really t- troubling because their data operations are nowhere near as extensive or sophisticated as those of the Liberals and the Tories. And I would have thought they would have been um uh, advantage by having a level playing field and a higher set of standards for privacy which would constrain the uses of personal data and establish um as i say a level playing field across the country but also between the different political parties yeah no i think i think you're right to, to highlight that yeah. you would have thought that that they would see an opportunity there it's somewhat surprising they haven't taken it now yeah. you mentioned a series of of cases and complaints that have been filed which bore some fruit in British Columbia, starting to yes. deal with an opinion from then Privacy Commissioner David Lucadellis. Can you yes. describe what happened? Yes. So to, to put a bit of a, a background there, though, a couple of other the, the complaints I just want to mention, um, although they failed, <clears throat> um, were extremely interesting. So for one complaint went to former Commissioner Terrien, uh, which was that basically Pepita should apply to political parties because they engage in commercial activity, which is the threshold under Pepita. Um, and um, political parties do an awful lot that looks like commercial activity. And Terrian, um looked at the issue but said no. Now, that in itself is interesting because what it means is that the political parties cannot say, well, we're governed by federal privacy law and therefore provincial privacy law should not be relevant. That's number one. The second uh, uh, complaint I just mentioned to you briefly is one that was made to the Commissioner of Elections, and it had to do with the use of the voters list. And the gist of the complaint was this, that the, the 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 voters list information is not just used for communicating with electors it's used for a number of other purposes as well such as building massive databases um there's evidence that it's used for um you know other purposes such as vetting judicial appointments um and anyway that complaint went forward to elections canada the commission and that the commissioner had wanted to have nothing to do with it so that in itself demonstrates that the regulatory body that's responsible for political parties really is not that interested in privacy and getting into the intricacies of privacy enforcement. Um, so, you know, even though they were, they were failures, it, it establishes, I think, that, you know, privacy law and privacy regulation is the responsibility of privacy commissioners. Now, to BC, 
Um, the provincial political parties have always been subject to the BC Personal Information Protection Act. Uh, this went back to Commissioner Denham. She had a bit of a fight about it, but there were investigations into both the BC NDP and the BC Liberals. And then Commissioner McAvoy did an overall investigation report in 2019 about the activities of provincial parties in BC and did an overall assessment of whether they were on side with the law and in some respects found that they were not. That was followed up with some guidance um, and it was followed up with a code of practice. So that established the principle that provincial political parties had to comply with the basic principles in BC PIPA, which after all is not a very stringent piece of legislation. So then the question came, well, if provincial parties have to comply with this, what about federal parties? So complaints went in about the federal political parties operating in British Columbia. The federal political parties immediately challenged the jurisdiction of the commissioner. The commissioner then delegated David Lucadellis, the former commissioner, to um, write an opinion on the issue. And Commissioner Lucadellis did that about this time last year and said that, um, yes, indeed, federal political parties are organizations under BC PIPA, and that the various constitutional arguments that the federal political parties were advancing, which um, essentially said that you know, compliance with BC PIPA would intrude upon federal jurisdiction, he said were, did not hold water complex constitutional arguments. Um, but basically, Luca Dallas said that, no, the federal political parties have to comply with PIPA. Um, the three political parties then jointly uh, uh, judicially uh, sought judicial review of that assessment. It was supposed to be heard last, um, uh, last October. There was a delay as a result of uh, in the court, and it's now supposed to be held, uh, heard this coming uh, week in Vancouver, but um, the Liberals have uh, requested an adjournment. So that's where we are. The three political parties have, um, uh, uh, have, have acted in concert on this and have said that basically BC Pippa and the BC Commissioner should not have jurisdiction over their affairs. Okay. Um, what's, uh, so, I mean, so that's their position. Can you expand yeah. a bit on on what they what they argue from a legal perspective? Well, they argue that, um, you know, the rules are sufficient at the federal level in the Elections Act. And they're arguing that the minimum uh, uh, um, rules within the Elections Act, um, having to do with privacy policies and privacy codes, um, establish at the federal level that that should trump, that should oust federal provincial jurisdiction. Um, the problem, however, is that those rules are nowhere near equivalent to the kind of rules that are applied by, by BC Personal Information Protection Act or by PIPADA. And so, um, you know, those, those, that will be, those will be the kind of arguments that the court will have to address if and when it gets to um, a hearing. Okay. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. And, and you mentioned yep. that there's a an effort by the parties, at least the Liberal Party putting this forward, to de delay those hearings yep. in light of what really sparked 
the the need for this podcast, which is Bill C-47 and the Budget yeah. Implementation Act, because you wouldn't think that the issues that we're talking about right now have very much to do with the budget. But the government has included a provision that effectively tries to sideline this entire effort. Can you describe what they're doing in C-47 with these unexpected privacy provisions? There are two provisions in there. One is a rather curious definition of personal information, um, which is sort of equivalent to what is in PIPADA. Um, it's unclear to me why that's in there in the first place. But the second is simply to say that political parties have got privacy policies. Those privacy policies were uh, mandated by the elections modernization in 2018, and political parties have got to comply with them. And that's it. You know, no consequences if they don't, no oversight. So they put that in there as a way to, I think, demonstrate to the BC judge that there's an ongoing federal debate going on about this issue. And the BC courts and the BC commissioner um, should, should uh, sort of back off in a way until that debate plays out. I think that's what's going on here. The problem, however, is that is that there's a decision by the BC Commissioner's Office. Um, the BC Attorney General also is supportive of the jurisdiction here. So, and provinces have jurisdiction over civil rights issues, property civil rights issues, as Luca Della said in his order. Um, and so the BC Commissioner and the complainants, obviously, have an interest in ensuring that that decision stands and wants, you know, the courts to um, to, to support that. So, um, you know, I don't think this is going to go away. It might be delayed, but the issues will not go away. The other really, really strange thing about this, really odd thing, is that the provincial political parties, if you take, for example, the provincial NDP in BC, the governing party, they have to abide by a stricter set of standards in BC than the federal NDP, right? So that makes absolutely no sense. Um, so the, the hope is that compliance with the BC legislation will over time force a, a raising of standards across the entire country so that you know the political parties seeing that they have to comply with privacy law in bc will realize that you know that's something that's going to have to happen across the entire country and that is of course exactly what they do not want um, they do not want those kind of constraints on their ability to collect process and disclose personal data um, because they know that will intrude in the, on their ability to process personal data about Canadians and data assists the winning of elections. Yeah, no. So you certainly understand their motivation. Yeah. You know, how how consistent is this with what's found elsewhere? You know, do do other countries are political parties in other countries in Europe and elsewhere subject to privacy rules? You know, is Canada yes. an outlier here, consistent with what we see? Yeah, Can Canada Canada is very much an outlier. Canada and the United States, Australia. There's an active debate in Australia about the exemption here. But most other democratic countries, political parties are either covered by instruments like the GDPR um, and have been since the beginning of privacy law. 
um, and, you know, have been able to operate perfectly well, you know, within the basic privacy standards. So Canada very much is an outlier. Um, and um, and I'm, in my view, the status quo is just totally untenable. Um, there in some countries, such as in France and in the UK, um, there is a recognition that political parties are different and that there has to be certain specialized guidance or codes of practice that apply to the political world, which is admittedly different from the commercial world. Um, and so the way I hope this goes forward is that there's an acceptance and engagement by the political parties that um, you know, they abide by the basic privacy principles, privacy standards that you see in PIPADA and, you know, also in C27. Um, but, you know, they're, they're able within that framework to develop more specialized codes of practice guidance, which is sensitive indeed to the particular communications that they needs that they have during elections. Um, uh, which are different from those of commercial activities. So, um, but at the moment, there's just this intense resistance and an, and, a, and an inability and unwillingness to even engage with the questions. And that I have found exceedingly frustrating over 10 years, just to get them to engage and to see that there is a real, real problem here. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully that will, those attitudes will shift. You are, you do see a shifting attitudes, but it's very, very slow, Michael. Yeah, no, if we're talking about a 10 year timeline yeah. with, with legislation that, uh, or even the absence of legislation that that's out of step with what we find in many other jurisdictions, there's quite clearly yeah. an element here of, you know, do what I say, but not as I do. Exactly. Um, you know, why don't, why don't we wrap with this? You've highlighted, you know, what you, what you'd like to, to see happen or highlighted what you think ought to happen in terms of being subject to the, the existing privacy frameworks with the, with the prospect of, of customizing or tailoring it through codes of practice for the particular circumstance. What do you think needs to happen in the, in the immediate term? I mean, we now really do have this piece of legislation, C-47, that, you know, as part of a budget bill makes it very difficult to, to take down, but at the same time, public is, is, I think, scarcely aware that, that this is, is happening in the fine print of this legislation. What, what, what should we, what, what, what do you think should happen now? Because quite clearly, at a minimum, the BC case and that initiative to at least begin the process of moving uh, moving forward with, with better protections, at least in what, within one province, sounds like it could be put in jeopardy based on, on, this, on, on these efforts within C-47. Well, it, it might or it might not. We'll see, you know, we'll see how the case goes forward. I mean, there's a there's quite a lot of publicity about this now. Um, open media have been very active in developing a petition. One thing I would like to see is action in Ontario, um, you know, under, um, you know, the proposed, I, I don't know where that is, but proposed new um, provincial legislation in Ontario for, for, for getting provincial political parties in Ontario under provincial legislation. That would be an important step. There's already been some moves in Quebec as well under the new Quebec law, uh, their privacy rules in for provincial Quebec political parties. So there's, there is some movement here. Um, I think that um, the BC case is gonna be critical. I don't think the issues gonna, are gonna go away. Um, I think that um, the I think that the, the legal arguments that were put forward by Luca Delison, and I'm not a constitutional expert, but those arguments are very, very sound. 
Um, and uh, we'll see where that goes. But if at the end of the day, BCPIPA does apply to federal political parties, then that then allows the BC commissioner, probably not the current commissioner McAvoy because his term is gonna be up next year, but the BC commissioner to start investigating what is going on and to ask exactly the same questions of federal political parties when they're operating in BC as he did of the provincial political parties. Um, you know, what information are you actually collecting on the doorstep? Are you collecting it with the consent? What information are you actually sharing with Facebook in order to create lookalike audiences? What are the security guarantees? What sort of training are you giving to volunteers? Are you allowing individuals to access their personal information and correct it if it's, if it's, if it's incorrect? All of those basic, basic privacy principles, um, which, um, you know, at the moment, um, no privacy commissioner can, can really enforce. But, you know, if, if, uh, sometime down the road, the BC Commissioner can ask those questions, then at least we get some transparency about what's going on. And that, I think, is one of the huge um, barriers here, that these practices are shrouding an enormous amount of secrecy. There's huge amount of uh, competitiveness between the political parties about their data operations, and they do not want to see that all come to light because they will know that the Canadian public will not be happy. No, I think that 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 strikes me as the ultimate uh, incentives that they've got going on or the ultimate re rationale yeah. that they've got going on. But, you know, you've been obviously uh, working really hard to shed some light and bring this to the public's attention. So so thank you for those efforts and, and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Michael. Great pleasure. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.